Hi, this is Megan McHugh, and this is the podcast of Triple R Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy, and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website. G'day, welcome aboard the Starship Zero G Science Fiction, Fantasy and Historical Radio for episode number 1346, <laughs> entitled People Who Live in Glass Timelines Shouldn't Throw Hiddlestones. <laughs> Maybe they should throw big stones. I don't know. Our podcast title is Time Pod, which we've probably used before, but, hey, we're stuck in one of those Aroboros or Arobo Jan time loops. And I am Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. <laughs> and here we are looking at Loki. Mm, it's arrived on our screens finally, the much-anticipated Loki series. Mm. And also Jumanji, the next level, which – I feel like we have gone back in time a bit there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, Loki, which is on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Without harking back to Spider-Man and Hulk series from the late 20th century on television, mm-hmm. there is something like 25 Marvel-based live-action television series in the modern era. Mm-hmm. After WandaVision and The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki is the third of the dedicated Marvel Studios shows for the Disney Plus streaming platform. Mm-hmm. And new episodes of the six-episode series Loki drops each week on Wednesdays. Excellent. It's created by Michael Waldron, who we know from Rick and Morty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Community, I love Community. Yeah, I was very pleased to see that on his CV and I was like, that's where we're going to get some of that wry humour. Heels mm. and also working on Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Which does check out. That seems to make sense. All right, spoilers hot for at least the pilot episode of Loki. Now, this new series, I feel like it's a combo of Men in Black Brazil, the Terry Gilliam movie, <laughs> and a little bit like The Good Place as well. Yeah, there's definitely some solid, kooky retro vibes, but mixed with some actually intriguing sinister stuff. So quite an interesting blend. I'll set the plot up here as much as I'm able to unravel the <laughs> alternate timelines and multiverses. I blew my head up yesterday re-watching Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, that animated mm-hmm. Movie in 3D, just ah, <laughs> and, and I thought that was a good prep for Loki because that's very multiversal too. Now, during the Battle of New York, as seen in the first Avengers movie, and the subsequent overlapping Infinity Stones time heist, mm-hmm. which was chronicled in Avengers Endgame, the Asgardian prince known as Loki <laughs> <laughs> escapes from Avengers custody using the Space Stone housed in the Tesseract, which is an even vaguely Tesseract shape. It's a cube. <laughs> now, Loki, God-level escape artist that he is, ends up outside of time and space and ultimately winds up being arrested again. 
um, think of incarceration as his destiny. He's arrested by no less than the Time Variance Authority, or the TVA. (laughs) A bit of background. (laughs) The TVA first appeared in a Thor comic in 1986 as kind of a re-engineered version of the earlier Alan Moore and Alan Davis created Dimensional Development Court. Mm-hmm. Now, the organisation exists to protect the multiverse of the Marvel Universe across all of its variant timelines mm-hmm. and dimensions by editing out what they deem are illegal and dangerous variant events and individuals. Basically, they're horology culturists who prune and weed the timelines. The idea of there being someone looking after time itself is a familiar trope across science fiction, media, and literature. Mm-hmm. And we've seen similar groups in, for example, uh, Star Trek, Isaac Asimov's novel The End of Eternity, DC's Linear Men, or the rival US and Spanish TV series Timeless, and El Ministerio del Tiempo. Amongst others, too numerous and, frankly, too dangerous to mention. He says, looking nervously over his shoulder, forwards to the past and back to the future. So (laughs) I could be temporally redacted any moment. (laughs) Whatever the listener's hopes may be. Of course, in the case of comic books, it's very handily meta because comic books do retconning all the time Mm -hmm. as they reboot, reimagine and patch over and eliminate continuity errors and inconveniences. And thus, Loki. Woohoo! Now, one of the TVA's prunings, who is kept aside because, well, you have to set a trickster to catch a trickster, which is what leading authority executive Mobius M. Mobius needs to do when TVA agents known as hunters and Minutemen mm-hmm. are being killed across space and time by a mysterious being. So, of course, they enlist Loki, our boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've seen episodes of this show so we've got tom hiddleston reprising his role as loki now he's got so many genre credits now crimson peak mm-hmm. uh high rise only lovers left alive kong skull island and he is attached to star in a ben wheatley adaptation Ooh. of frank miller's comic book miniseries hard boiled wow he put himself out there to play thor originally and it didn't quite work out but he ended up as loki and i think it was a spiffing choice absolutely and and we would have thought his arc had ended really his emotional arc at least i mean Mm. you know he started out betraying his brother being the trickster suffered great tragedy in his life became almost king of earth was one of thanos's key minions Mm -hmm left it all behind in order to try and save his brother and got squashed like a cockroach in Endgame. (laughs) (laughs) And as far as Hiddleston was concerned, his arc was over. That was it. He Mm. he knew that he'd have a cameo appearance in Endgame, but I don't think he knew that this is what they were planning on. He's a joy to watch, I've got to say. He's obviously having a great time as Loki, and I think like when you say, you know, he went up for Thor, I think this character was always the best fit. And you know when there's sometimes those combos of actor and character that just flourish and end up probably so much more than even what like Kevin Feige had imagined in the beginning. Like here he is with his own show and I think it's just going from strength to strength and same for this new batch of Marvel shows. Like I think each one is different to the previous and offering us 
such a great opportunity to see these side characters, if I can say. I mean, I know a little offensive, but they are side characters. See them get their own time in the spotlight and get these luscious kind of massive concept shows built all around them. I'm here for it. I'm so excited. (laughs) Well, six episodes amounts to a couple of movies, really, when you think about it. And I think Hiddleston is strong enough to carry this. Mm. So really, the early episode sets all of that up. And we find Loki stuck in the TVA, wherever the hell it is. It seems to be outside of space and time, really. And it would have to be, if you think about it, if they're going through redacting and changing things, well, they'd have to be sort of isolated from all of that. Yeah, and it seems like a very powerful place as well. Like, you know, I don't want to give too much away to our audience. Yeah, just to let you know that we will be doing some spoilers from the pilot episode of Loki. I think it's got some secrets of its own. Yeah, and it's magnificently designed. It's like every supervillain lair ever. Plus, let's be honest, men in black headquarters. <laughs> With that overlay of Terry Gilliam Brazil bureaucracy, you know, fiddly paperwork. Yeah, (laughs) but this great retro vibe as well, like this kind of mustard-coloured, everything's brown, there's these wonderful retro posters everywhere, and just all of that set dressing, just it has this great mishmash of vibes. I really love the vibe at the TVA. (laughs) And they've got Tara Strong, who's a very well-known Canadian-American voice actress who's been in just about every DC and Marvel animated series or movie that there is. By the way, this is probably the most important credit that she has. She's the current voice for Rocky J. Squirrel. Oh, really? Of Rocky and Bullwinkle fame. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. Anyway, Tara Strong is the voice of the anthropomorphic clock mascot Mm -hmm. of the TVA. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, you know, she gets to be Miss Minutes. (laughs) All of this is a very strong sort of overlay upon the time travel procedural, Mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. So you've got those two things combined in there. And, of course, they have an animated sort of 1960s style (laughs) induction video, a cartoon. The minute I saw that animation start to play, I was so tickled because I love that retro explanatory video and it was perfect. Yeah, it's like the animated videos that they used to do for early space age mm. missions, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing, complete with a voiceover and the, <laughs> and the not too funny gags in it, you know. So Loki winds up there and he immediately clashes with one of the executives there, Mobius M. Mobius, mm. after Mobius Strip. <laughs> Infinitely confusing. Owen Wilson plays Mobius. <laughs> I was not expecting, I mean, we knew him from the trailer, right, that he was going to be in this, but I was so pleased with him, like his portrayal in this. I was excited to see him on screen again. I mean, I'm a a Wilson fan, not just because I also like Wes Anderson, but he's obviously enjoying himself too and he's got the haircut and he's just really playing with relish, this like management guy who's just trying to get the job done but also knows all the secrets of the known universe and timeline. It's just... Perfect. Now, this is where the good place comes in. I feel like his role in that is is similar to the architect mm, in that. Good call. Well, of course, he is Wes Anderson's muse in some ways <laughs> uh, for all those different movies, Life Aquatic, Grand Budapest Hotel. But he was also with Jackie Chan in the Shanghai movies. 
Oh, I forgot uh, about those. <laughs> yeah, Noon and, and Night. Mm-hmm. And he was the voice of Lightning McQueen in the Cars animated series. Uh-huh. And, of course, the Cowboy in the Night at the Museum movies yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. And he popped up in Armageddon and even in that terrible Anaconda movie. <laughs> <laughs> Block those out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he's really going in a different direction with this. I mean, there's still shades of Owen Wilson, right? But I think he's playing it pretty serious, air quotes. Yeah. He's a perfect fiddle for Tom Hiddleston. In that first episode, at least, they spend a lot of time on screen together as mm-hmm. as Wilson is trying to get Hiddleston to work with him and going through his catalogue <laughs> Of horrors and aberrations. Yes, his misdeeds file. (laughs) Which is like six inches thick, you know. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) If you've seen the trailer, you know, you know, Loki promises to work with him and he says, But you've literally stabbed people in the back fifty times and Hiddleston stands up and just says, I'll never do it again. (laughs) And you just go, Yeah, right. All right, well, speaking of Loki, let's have a a track here from the soundtrack Mm -hmm. of the new series. It's the epic version of Loki by Alala, A-L-A-L-A. And so this is the, well, it's basically the main title theme of Loki, the Disney Plus television series. Take my love, take my land, take me where I cannot stand. I don't care, I'm still free, you can't take the sky from me. Hi, this is Joss Whedon, creator of Serenity, Buffy, and Angel. Welcome to New Melbourne, home of fish, fish-based activities, zero-g, and Radio 3 Triple R FM. Triple R, it's independent radio, and it aims to misbehave. There's no place I can be since I found Serenity. It's very intense there, towards the end of the version of Loki, which is the main title theme of the new Disney Plus series. Mm-hmm. Alala did that version, and the original was a composer called... Natalie Holt. So she's the composer for the Loki show, and she's done a few other things like Journey's End and Nightfall. Now, we are talking about the new Marvel series Loki. We've seen episodes of that, and it drops every Wednesday. They're doing it one at a time. They're drip-feeding it. Mm-hmm. Well, they've like, got to I, keep us going until, you know, we've got Black Widow. They've really just got to keep us, you know, on the hook for all this content. A reminder, we are doing some spoilers today from the pilot episode of Loki. So, okay, as we were saying, it, it's set in the Time Variance Authority headquarters, at mm-hmm. least the start of it is. They've captured Loki, a variant Loki who escaped from the Avengers custody as seen in Avengers Endgame. He is now working for, very big air quotes there, the TVA to try and track down and stop somebody who's killing TVA agents. Mm-hmm. I don't think we'll uh, review reveal too much of that at this stage. Yeah. And to be honest, I don't really know too much about that at this <laughs> stage because <laughs> this is a confusing show and I can see what's going to give us cause for concern as we go along and consternation, as it should be because it deals with Loki, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Other people in this show, Guga Mabatha Raw, we saw her in the San Junipero episode of Black Mirror from season uh, ah. three of that. She also is Tish Jones, the sister of Martha Jones, one of the Doctor's companions. So we saw her a lot in the Lazarus experiment back in 2007. <laughs> and she was also 
in the live action adaptation of one of Megan's favourites, Beauty and the Beast. Ah. <laughs> she played Plumette. Oh, yes. That's the um, feather duster. Oh. <laughs> I'm not familiar with the cleaning and housekeeping accoutrements <laughs> task list of Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> well, I haven't done my job properly then, have I, Rob? <laughs> <laughs> Now she's playing Ravona Renslayer, and she used to be a hunter in the TVA, and now she's the judge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, actually, that's another reason why this reminds me of The Good Place. Mm, yes, the courtroom business. I hadn't really thought about The Good Place till you brought it up, but mm. there's some there's some influences here. And she's obviously trying to be the person in charge of prosecutions whilst also trying to work with Owen Wilson's character. Mm. Mm-hmm. So there's mm-hmm. some problems there. So I guess we'll see some of her backstory in this because these are comic book characters too, as mm. we were saying earlier on. Oh, speaking of actors who've been in Black Mirror, uh, specifically the episode Playtest back in 2016, One Me Mosaku played a character in that and she is also playing Ruby Baptiste in HBO's Lovecraft Country back in 2020. She's also in Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, and Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. And here in Loki, she plays Hunter B-15. So she's actually one of the senior hunters and the one who gives Loki the most trouble, I think. She is formidable. Richard E. Grant's going to appear as well. And there are rumours that Jamie Alexander may reprise her role as Sith. Fan fave. Yeah. Much speculation about what happened to Lady Sith, whether or not she was on Asgard when Serta destroyed it or on the uh, the refugee ship when Thanos cut it in half or mm-hmm. was she dusted, the Russo says one thing and, you know, did yeah. she come back? Well, they'll massage it to their liking, won't they, to whatever's going to work for future appearance. <laughs> possibility. Yes, one would almost say that they're going to prune it out of the timeline and Mm -hmm. do something with it. So episode one of Loki. I think the funniest thing for me was all of that bureaucratic procedural. Yeah, yeah. They really lent into it pretty hard in the first episode, like the little details of the tedious things you have to go through at places like, you know, they're obviously pulling from things like the airport or when you have to go to I guess what they would call the DMV, things like that is all being channeled into this picture of the TVA. Yeah, right down to the labyrinth maze-like queuing system Mm. with its little uh, ribbon barriers and actually only two people there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They've got a logo for all time, always. I thought that was kind of cool. There are some good lines in this too, like at one stage Loki says he – knew that there was something going on during the time heist. Mm -hmm. Believe me, you can smell the cologne of two Tony Starks. (laughs) I thought that was a good one. (laughs) Yeah, I thought that was excellent. And Mobius has rejoined her to Loki at one stage, you know, for someone born to rule, you sure do lose a lot. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to learn a lot about what makes Loki tick in this story, which is what they actually set out to do with the TVA. Mm -hmm. The fact that they just, like, keep infinity stones in the TVA because a lot of this stuff has no power within this facility. (laughs) They keep infinity stones in, like, the junk drawer. (laughs) 
One thing that you do see in the trailer Mm -hmm. is Loki jumping out of an airliner with a suitcase full of cash. Now, I don't know if this actually has resonance with the modern society, as it were, but that actually is a real historical event. 1971, D.B. Cooper, which is a pseudonym anyway, this is a guy who hijacked a Boeing 727. They stopped the plane on the ground. He got $200,000 in ransom and a parachute, and he jumped out. Mm. The plane, obviously not when it was parked on the ground. So as you can tell from the trailer, Loki is actually that D.V. Cooper character. He says he lost a bet with Thor. (laughs) I'm looking forward to that kind of thing Mm. being ramped up. I I hope to see more historical settings. There's also a lot of moments in there in the trailer because it's very fast-paced. Yeah. And we see something that looked like Pompeii. Mm-hmm. being overtaken by the eruption of Vesuvius. And, of course, Loki just standing in the middle of it all laughing, as he would. Yeah, I mean, I think when I first saw the trailer, I was like, oh, this is such a smart way of carrying on his character, for one, and also opening up a bunch of possibilities of things they can do and maybe history they can show or backstory they can do with being able to reference the main MCU but not being tied too much to it. So straight away I was on board with the premise. And then, like I said, as we get to the TVA and it's all retro and everything's brown and there's such a strong sense of what that kind of concept is, I was like, I love this. I'm definitely here to watch this kind of time procedural. So that was very cool. And I really love the moments when Loki, when you see a bit more of what's underneath, because obviously, you know, he is mischievous and part of the joy is when he's doing his evil things with relish and wisecracking about it. But, you know, the moments where he shows vulnerability or he grows in some way or has some kind of meaningful interaction with someone, I really like those two. So, and I suspect that hopefully we'll get some of that littered through the this season. My only disappointment is that it's only going to be six episodes. I can tell already, like, with you know, as we get further along, I'm going to be sadder and sadder that we've got less of it left. So I'm excited to see what the main story is going to be. We've already got some hints of that. So I'm very keen to see how they're going to keep going with whatever, you know, the main thrust of the story is. And hopefully we'll just get to see more of all the stuff that I've liked so far. Well, well I've enjoyed it. The three MCU series that we've seen, like the television series. So WandaVision had that very surreal characteristic going on, and so does this one, actually. Mm, Absolutely. It's probably more similar to WandaVision in some ways, I think. Like, I think Falcon and Winter Soldier was kind of, you know, your straight-up espionage action, whereas this is, again, taking a moment to just do something a bit weird. So. Yeah, I really like it so far, and I think Hiddleston is a core part of that appeal. And now that we've thrown Owen Wilson in and I like what he's doing, I just want to see more of that good dynamic as well as some cool action and a bit more like kooky TVA stuff. I started freeze-framing some of the episode as I was watching it, and on the paperwork for Loki it says gender fluid. Mm. Because, of course, Loki is a shapeshifter and in the comics has actually presented as a woman mm-hmm. at various stages. And I think that Sophia Di Martino might actually play a female Loki. I don't know. Okay. So that, you know, exciting potential to do all sorts of things with this show. And I think they usually take up 
opportunities to do interesting things. So I'm, I'm hoping that this will be no exception, that we'll get to see some, some good stuff over the six episodes. Do you know, when we were watching this, because we had the sound turned up quite loud, mm. um, we didn't have it low key. Um, <laughs> we've got this old carriage clock sitting on a bookshelf and it hasn't been wound up or going for ages and the sound from the speakers must have made it go tick. <laughs> And so we're watching this time travel show and suddenly you hear this tick, tick, and then it stopped. That was it. Oh, wow. Maybe you've entered another timeline. A reminder, we are doing some spoilers today from the pilot episode of Loki. There's also some good stuff in, in this about Loki's relationship with his family, all of whom except for Thor are dead, basically. Mm, yeah. And, you know, he will find out his destiny from his original timeline in this show. Mm, yeah. And I thought some of those moments were unexpectedly moving. Yeah, yeah, you know, I agree. As he, as he comes to terms with he's not quite the god that he thought he was. Mm. And he has that very strong relationship with his mother. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it's very, it's very touching. And I will say, seeing that scene again with him, Thor, and Odin when Odin passes, yeah. I got a bit weepy again. I have no. to say, so yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they've done an interesting job of exploring a little bit of Thor's grief in sort of the main films because obviously, you know, he at one point jokingly talks about all the horrific things and losses that he suffered in his time. But I think it would be really interesting to explore that a bit more from Loki's side. So, Well, that's Loki, the new Disney Plus Marvel Studios television show, mm-hmm. the third of the new Marvel shows that they've got on, live-action ones at least. Mm-hmm. There will be other ones. <laughs> so, and I'm really enjoying the way these are playing out. It's it's giving me my Marvel fix outside of the comic books and in lieu of the movies, and mm-hmm. they don't actually give any ground to that. As I think you've pointed out before, it's nice to get granular with these other characters. Yeah, yeah. And the six episodes means that, you know, it's really got time to stretch its narrative legs, you know, without having to fit into not only the movie length runtime, but also the fact we have to fit in other characters and other stories in a main movie. Here it's like, no, we're just going to go deep and we're going to focus. So, All right. Well, let's go deep here with a song we have played before. But then, again, I suppose that Serial Stalker is what this is all about. <laughs> so it should be repeated. It's Ode to Tom Hiddleston mm-hmm. uh, by Allegra Rosenberg from an album ominously entitled Obsessive. <laughs> and, you know, we played this kind of homage to actors before. There's been quite a few of these sorts of songs. Oh, there's and, plenty out there. <laughs> and they're always fun and they're always just a little bit disturbing. <laughs> Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, stacking Z's on zero G on three triple R FM. <laughs> I always like that one. Ode to Tom Hiddleston. Exactly what is Ode to Tom Hiddleston? Well, it is a song. It is by an artist called Allegra Rosenberg from an album appropriately entitled Obsessive, and it's all about fans who take things just a bit too far. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we were talking about the Loki TV series, and now Mm -hmm. we are rolling over into Jumanji. Yes. Listen to the sound of those rhino feet running up the street. The next level. 
So, okay, we've seen a few Jumanji movies by now and talked about them on Zero G over Mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Originally based on a book by American writer and artist called Chris Van Allsburg, and he put that out in 1981, the Jumanji book, and its sequel, Zathura, in 2002. So these are films about a game which wasn't actually a game but was a book about a game. Yeah. (laughs) But has since become an actual game. Oh, really? Okay. Of course. You can buy a Jumanji board game and so on. And there are four films. So we had the original Jumanji. That's the one with Robin Williams in it in 1995, directed by Joe Johnston. Zafura, A Space Adventure in 2005 with John Favreau at the helm. Mm-hmm. That was that was a film that convinced me that he would probably be a good guy to direct the Iron Man films. <laughs> Not that I had any say in it. <laughs> Then the modern, not reboots, because they do actually follow on, so they are kind of sequels. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle in 2017, which was very enjoyable, directed by Jake Kasdan, as is the sequel to that, Jumanji The Next Level, which came out just before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Christmas 2019. Yeah. Well, it would have been, I saw it early 2020 and I remember seeing it at the movies and I was really keen to see it because I think you and I both really enjoyed unexpectedly the first one. Not, you know, I just didn't know what to expect from it. Right. But it was quite a fun adventure romp. So I had already seen The Next Level, but you've just caught up on it on streaming. Is that right, Rob? Yeah. Did I see this on Amazon Prime? Was that it? Yeah. So you can see all of the Jumanji films online at the moment. So the original, which was a big part of my childhood, Jumanji was very big with kids of my era. (laughs) That one is on Netflix and it's also on Amazon Prime and Binge. You can watch Zathura, which is the second film that's on Binge or Apple TV. You can watch the first of these new sequels, Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle on Netflix, and then you can watch this one, The Next Level, on Amazon Prime, as we mentioned. And they are all available on DVD by now as well. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Although the older ones might be a bit harder to get because, you know, that catalogue sort of stuff can be sometimes which is why you should have your own DVDs. Okay, so Jacob Jake Kasdan, he's an American film and TV director, producer, screenwriter, and actor. Uh, He did Bad Teacher in 2011, Sex Tape in 2014, these two Jumanji movies. He has worked on Freaks and Geeks Ah. as well. So that actually makes a lot of sense given some of the characters in this are very geeky and some are just freaky. (laughs) All right, so the cast is... The same cast as last time with some additions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, basically the premise is exactly the same. Several people get sucked into this ancient console game Mm -hmm. and have to play through various levels in order to save the interior game universe. So it actually makes me wonder if the game is reaching out to pull people in to, to fix it. Maybe. Maybe. They don't go into that, of course. And it's got Dwayne Johnson, Jack Black, Kevin Hart, Karen Gillan, Nick Jonas, Alex Wolfe, 
and some other people in here, including, you say this name, I have trouble with this name. So now we have Aquafina, who's in this new film. Uh, so <laughs> we have seen her in Crazy Rich Asians and also she was in Oceans 8, which was the uh, yeah. new Oceans movie. Yes. Uh, so she plays a bit of a thief in multiple things, actually. Yes. <laughs> but she's also a musician and a comedian. And we also have the addition in this film of a couple of oldie but goodies, Danny DeVito and Danny Glover as well, playing uh, Danny DeVito plays uh, a grandpa, Spencer's grandpa. Is that the right name? Yes, Spencer's grandpa. And Danny Glover plays his old I guess nemesis, friend, business partner, and so on. So those those two old fellas have a bit of a interesting backstory and relationship, and we get a little bit of that in this film, as well as the adventure, of course. Mm. And actually, the two Dannys provide the heart of this movie. And when I say heart, I'm being very specific. The heart of Jumanji: Welcome to the Jungle was the quest to bring back this lad who'd gotten caught inside the game for twenty years. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And so too this one is really about the two Dannys coming to terms with their past by putting them into an extreme situation inside the game. Yeah. Now, the way that this film game works is that you pick an avatar Mm. and you get sucked into that avatar character. And the gag is that in the original second, third Jumanji movie, (laughs) The Rock has to be inhabited by the character of the nerdy young computer Mm. gamer, Spencer. Yeah, so he kind of comes to term a bit with building his confidence and feeling like, you know, he's useful in the world and can be the hero. And Jack Black. Jack Black is the the young teen girl. (laughs) So she goes into Jack Black's body and he does a pretty good job of making that a very lovable situation. Yes, and Kevin Hart has his character, Karen Gillan has hers, but it's actually those actors playing mm. these As other the teens. Yep. teens. They lean into that in this one in spades because they really do some messing around with those existing characters mm. and start doing a bit of swapping around, shall we say. Yes. <laughs> and it gets even more confusing. and. And I'm thinking, is like Dwayne Johnson being dubbed? Are they putting a voiceover on him from Danny DeVito or something like that? No, but they're I think not. He's, no, he's just really going for his Danny DeVito impersonation. Yeah, yeah, they are actually doing that. And they were pretty good too. They had me convinced at one stage that that's what they were doing, but they did not. I guess it's called acting. <laughs> <laughs> so that was fun. That was a nice new dimension to it. We'll press on in a moment, but we want to play a track here, and that will be (laughs) Aquafina, Money. That's what I want. And this is from Crazy Rich Asians. Nice. She's got a lot of other songs out there, and I was going to play some of them, and then I realized they're all explicit. I was going to say you've picked a clean one. (laughs) Yeah. So Money, That's What I Want, featuring Aquafina, and it's by Cheryl Kay from the Crazy Rich Asians soundtrack, a movie which you had a lot of time for, I believe. Yeah, love Crazy Rich Asians. Just how long have we been receiving these mysterious signals from outer space? People of Earth, attention. This is a voice speaking to you from thousands of miles beyond your planet. 
Hi, I'm Steve Squires. I worked on the Mars Exploration Rovers, Voyager, Magellan, and Cassini space missions, and I wrote the book Roving Mars. So if anyone should understand Zero-G, you'd think it would be me. Nah, sorry. Zero-G, science fiction and fantasy radio on 3 FM. Don't run. We are your friends. Yeah. <laughs> I feel enriched by that song. <laughs> Aquafina with That's What I Want. Mm. Of Cheryl Kay from the Crazy Rich Asians original soundtrack album. We are here on Zero G talking about Jumanji Next Level, which mm. is available for streaming on Amazon Prime, amongst other locations, including DVD. There are several things about this that I thought were really great, just as I thought the other Jumanji films have also had. Great game procedural. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, weapons and rations and uh, (laughs) weapons bearers who can pull any weapon out of their backpack. Yep. The concept of having different numbers of lives and you can respawn. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Cutscenes. (laughs) and they've also they've leveled up as well because as the title suggests it is the next level so they get some enhancements but also some new weaknesses as well so it's a bit fun watching them navigate the new rule some new rules of what this world entails yeah some of the weaknesses are really silly (laughs) yeah (laughs) what was the one from the first of these jumanji movies was uh cake yes and poor poor old fridge has still got that fear but um I love the fact that they've got the whole fish-out-of-water aspect and the actors have so much fun with that. Yeah, I think the chemistry of them playing with the premise and really leaning into the comedy and just having a good time, I think the dynamic of the four, and then now, you know, there's we've got more characters in there as well because we've got Aquafina, Nick Jonas and the horse, and so now we've got a bigger group. I do think that the dynamic and how they play off each other is a large part of the joy of the film. Oh, they have the hand in there from Game of Thrones too, uh, Rory McCann. Yes, yes, he's our nemesis this time around. Jurgen the Brutal. (laughs) That's hilarious. A lot of the stuff that I like from the other movies is here. You can learn valuable life lessons from gaming, Mm, mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. like how to do dance fighting. (laughs) Something we should all know and learn. (laughs) Yes, and when to go smouldering intensity. (laughs) Yes, the right point in time to really pull that baby out. (laughs) Yeah, so... I just had a lot of fun with this. I love the soundtrack on this one too, and we'll go out with a track from the soundtrack, which is by the same guy who did the the third Jumanji movie. This is the fourth Jumanji movie. Oh, and there was a television series too, an animated show. Oh, fun. <laughs> they threw in as well, and Henry Jackman is the, the composer. I had a lot of fun with this movie, the second one. We actually binge-watched both all at once. Nice. And they flow through perfectly. And the timing, now this is something I I had to stop and think about. The pacing of the movie is just like playing a game. Mm. So you do get these bits where you're actually just dying and respawning. <laughs> yeah, to learn and grow and, and then conquer the mm. feat that you have to, to conquer. Yeah. And sometimes the characters will stop and talk to no one. <laughs> Is it Riz Darby? Yeah, from yeah. Um, one of Taika Waititi's uh, posse. Yes, our favourite NPC in this. <laughs> Playing Nigel Billingsley. <laughs> and we knew him as Murray Hewitt in 
Flight of the Concords. He was the band manager and, of course, Hunt for the Wilder People and, oh, so many other different. What We Do in the Shadows. What We Do in the Shadows, yeah. And here he is basically just playing an NPC. Yeah, but with such, like, oomph. He's really putting his back into the positive gusto that he's bringing to his NPC character. And also one of the guys from the Big Bang Theory, not one of the main crew. I think he plays the uh, the butler for Jurgen the Brutal. <laughs> <laughs> and somebody else I spotted in this. Oh, yes, Babe Newworth from Frasier, Lilith. Yes. Mm-hmm. She plays Nora Shepard, the mum of the um, one of the characters. And, and she was actually in the original 1995 film. Yes, I saw there was some, I mean, that's one of the fun things about Amazon Prime is they have little overlays of trivia and things that you can learn. I saw that in there and that they've actually, there's some sense been put into how these events are all linked and why certain things happen and things like that. But yeah, it was was nice to see her pop up. Mm. So yeah, this is Jumanji, the next level. I hear that there may be another sequel. I'd watch it. Like I have to say, these are a lot of fun and they're no more or no less than what you know, they're put on the tin and they're cheesy, but they're very fun. Mm. They remind me of another movie series called The Librarians. Oh, which is yeah. Ba- mm. Basically a video. Oh, you've seen those? No, I remember uh, you mentioning it. Ah, okay. Yeah, there are, which is also a television series too, by the way, but they've got that sort of gentle, amiable, fast-paced wackiness that just yeah. works. Yeah, yeah. What can what more can you ask of a, of a fun movie, really? Exactly. Mm. To watch it, you can stream it or DVD it, any of those things. And I thought we'd go back and look at that because I felt like I lost its run at the cinema due to the pandemic. Yeah. You know, things were getting a a little bit weird and and, and I just missed out and I thought, darn, I did want to see that. So here we are with that whole new procedural of being able to catch up online with movies. Remarkable. (laughs) (laughs) Technology. Yeah. (laughs) But it was fun to revisit this one. I rewatched it and uh, I still enjoyed it. What do we do if it is a rating in Zero G? Yeah, no, maybe. It's a yeah for me, but I have a soft spot for these actors and a soft spot for this kind of silly adventure story. So, yeah, my rating is you guys, yeah. Actually, that is one aspect of the movie I despised. I so hate that phrase, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, let's not bring that back in this movie, and they did it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, several days after my first AstraZeneca shot, speaking of science, I've had the jab, I've had, I'm now Rob Jab. I can store the biometallomimetic material undersheaf of my armor. In the marrow of my bones, I can extrude adamantium claws from my hands and (laughs) spin a web any size to capture thieves just like flies. (laughs) So no change there. No side effects. Great. I'm happy to hear that, you know, no one wanted extra side effects. I actually even said to the doctor when they they gave me, when are you going to do it? (laughs) And he he said, I've done it. I said, no. That's that's the thinnest needle I've ever experienced. And he showed me the empty needle to prove it. (laughs) It's like, oh, he doesn't believe me. (laughs) I told him about the spider powers. He was impressed. (laughs) Then he threw me out of the office. So I'm just waiting to get the second shot of it. 
mm-hmm. eventually. Yeah, you know, where the hell are you people? Get out there. Get those jabs. Make things work again. I want to go to the movies again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's about it for Zero G today. As I said, we're going to go out with the Henry Jackman produced soundtrack for Jumanji, the next level, and this is the Jumanji Suite. Thank you, Megan. Thank you, Rob. (laughs) And thank you to Kayla Larson, our podcaster. And Joe Brunatic is coming up next with Astral Glamour. G'day, this is Rob Jan. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website.